Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians from the Apostle Paul. We just finished up our series in the book of Joshua, and this is kind of going to be a mini-series, I guess, if you will, a series of one, two, three messages. I'm not sure where God's going to lead uh, here, but it's going to be out of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. This morning we're going to be reading verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to speak on this subject this morning. Hopeless and helpless without Christ. Hopeless and helpless without Christ. So if you found that passage in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3, please stand as we honor the reading of God's word this morning. Paul writes this, the church there at Ephesus, he said, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Father, we come before you now as we prepare to hear your word. Father, my prayer again is that hearts are receptive this morning. They're fertile to to receive the uh, implanted word, God, that they're ready to, 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 to receive what you have for them this morning. Father, this is a tough passage. But it's a passage that many of us uh, need to hear. We all need to hear it, Lord. We all need to understand what it's like and what our lives are like without Jesus Christ. So, Father, again, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are pleasing and bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we thank you. It's in Christ's name that we ask all these things. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Linda Pilot, a Ukrainian and Latvian heritage, said she believes the Russians are once again trying to crush the spirit of the Ukrainians and not treat them like a separate people, but as the unwanted stepchildren of the Russians. A local attorney, Pilot, has a first cousin in Ukraine. The cousin has two children in the 30s who live in Kiev. Pilate said she received uh, notice from the children that they have fled from Kiev and are now living with their father. Pilate said she feels a great sense of helplessness. 
Marie Zuck, a retired assistant junior high school principal in uh, Carmen Ainsworth District, talks with her cousin every day in Lviv in western Ukraine. It breaks my heart, Zuck said, about seeing the pictures on the news of the Ukrainians seeking shelter in the subways. When she saw a child eating a cookie, she got emotional, reiterating it breaks my heart. The situation seems hopeless, she says. She says a Ukrainian of Ukrainian heritage, a retired crime scene investigator. She says that her entire family on her dad's side is still in Ukraine. They stay in touch by phone calls and Facebook Messenger. Martin says the family members she's spoken with are safe at this point. She also says she hopes those who are giving their lives to protect Ukraine uh, do not do so in vain. It's like watching a little ant going down a sidewalk and a kid just steps on it, she says. I doubt it's possible for them to remove, uh, the, to recover from this Russian attack. Hopeless, she says. Helpless, she says. Indeed. We see that in that war in Ukraine. Most of us, when we watch that, we see people that are helpless. These folks are hopeless. They're facing an enemy that they cannot overcome. And the reality is, this is just in the event of war. But I want to remind each and every one of you this morning that there's an even greater enemy that we face. And you are hopeless. And you are helpless in the face of that enemy. And that enemy is Satan. That enemy is this world's system that surrounds us each and every day of our lives. And without Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are hopeless. And you are helpless. Paul writes about this to the Ephesians. Now, I want to remind you of something. This entire passage, basically verses 1 through 10, and really that whole chapter in chapter 2, this is a before and after picture of what Paul talks about. An individual that is before Christ, an individual that comes to Christ, and an individual that receives Christ and the life afterwards. But we're going to take it piece by piece as we walk through the next couple of weeks, I think, or, or whatever, wherever God leads. But this morning, I want you to know, I want you to see the condition that Paul talks about for those who are without Christ. And so, Paul, here's, here's the point this morning. Paul informed the Ephesians that without Jesus Christ, all people, all people are by nature spiritually dead. They're transgressors of God's law and are dominated by the rule of Satan. So those of us here this morning, then you, the nature that is spiritually dead, the same nature is in you, the nature that is spiritually dead, the nature that is transgressor of God's law, and a nature that is dominated by the rule of Satan. So we're going to see three things about this human condition this morning. Three things about that human condition that Paul writes about for those without Christ. That helpless and hopeless condition this morning. Number one, those without Christ are dead. 
those without Christ are dead. Look at verse 1. Paul writes this. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Notice Paul says you were dead. Again, I want to remind you that Paul is talking to Ephesians. These Ephesians had been saved. They, They were followers of Jesus Christ. He said, You once were dead. You once were dead, but I want you to know that if you are here this morning and you are without Jesus Christ, you are currently dead. You are spiritually dead. Paul's not talking about physical death here because you're sitting in the pew. So you're not physically dead. Paul is speaking of a spiritual death here. This was a past event for the Ephesians, but it's a present event uh, in the lives of many today as well. And we need to understand that. But regardless, regardless of whether it's present or past, those without Christ, then and now, were dead. Dead there, again, it speaks of a, of a death, a spiritual death, not a physical death. The, one Paul, the ones Paul were writing to, they weren't dead physically, but they had been dead spiritually. Those who are dead, they're spiritually dead. Those who are spiritually dead are in opposition of the life found in the gospel, the life that Jesus Christ offers, that eternal life. They're destitute of a life that recognizes and is devoted to God. Well, why? Why are they destitute? Why are they? Why do they not recognize? Why are they devoted to this to this, this satanic world around them? Well, Paul says, "Listen, you're you're dead in your trespasses and your sins." Trespasses there, it's a lapse or a deviation from the truth and uprightness. Well, what's the truth? The truth is God's Word. It's Scripture. The truth is about God and Scripture. They go in the wrong direction, Paul says. They go towards Satan and away from God. That's the key to repentance. Repentance means that we turn Satan and we turn to God. It's a complete 180. He says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Sins there, it means we miss the mark. It means we fall short of a standard of holiness. Well, what standard is that, preacher? It's God's standard. It's not the standard of this world. Listen, we all can live by the standard of the world. But only those who have Jesus Christ can live by God's standard. Because God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. The Bible says that we're to be holy because why? Because God is holy. So Paul says, you folks, you you, you were spiritually dead. And if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, listen, the, the Bible says that you are dead in your trespasses and your sins. Now, Paul here, he doesn't use these two terms to denote two different types of offenses against God. What Paul is doing, he's making the point of the depth of our sinfulness. For those who are spiritually dead, you may have heard the term totally depraved. That total depravity, it talks about, it speaks of of the nature, it speaks of the the depth of our sin. This deadness speaks to the nature of man. It's not to the idea of that we commit trespasses and, and sins, 
It's not the individual sins that you and I commit and you and I fall into. Listen, we sin because we're sinners, church. It's our nature before Christ. That's why we're hopeless. That's why we're helpless. And Paul's making that clear. He, Paul is not saying that, that it's the sin and the transgression that make us sinners. He's saying we're dead because we do nothing else. But nature is that of a sinner. And so we can do nothing else but transgress and sin. We're spiritually dead because our very nature, the nature that we received from our ancestors, Adam and Eve, We sin because we're sinners by nature. We're not sinners because we sin. If that was the case, then we would, if we didn't sin, then we wouldn't be sinners. That's not possible. It's not possible. Again, I mentioned that term total depravity. It's the biblical summation of the spiritual condition of all mankind. It's the result of fallen man, every part of us, our mind, our will, our emotions and flesh, all has become corrupted by sin. We've missed the mark. We can't live up to the standards set by God. This is something that is alive physically and it may still be dead spiritually. And when you think of total depravity, don't think that that man is as sinful as man can be. That's not what total depravity means. Because we can sure be more sinful than we, than we are. It doesn't mean that man is without conscience to do right or wrong. Listen, I have family members who are moral people. They're righteous people in the eyes of the world. But they're spiritually dead. They're dead in their trespasses and their sins. But man, they'll give you the shirt off their back. They do good things. They do good works. They're good people. They don't hurt anybody. But the reality is they're spiritually dead. Why is this important to understand? It's important to understand because there is nothing you and I can do. There's nothing you can do and there was nothing I could do prior to my salvation experience to make this any different and make this any better. In fact, in this condition, we have no inclination, we have no desire, we have no responsiveness toward God and no ability to please Him. I have said it and I'll say it again. People that are lost and they're spiritually dead, they don't wake up one morning without the prompting of the Holy Spirit, without a conviction of the Holy Spirit, and say, you know what? I'm going to go to the house of the Lord today because I know that God will be. They don't discern. Well, why, preacher? Because they don't discern the things of God. They're spiritually dead to the things of God. That's why I said earlier that if you're here this morning... You're here by divine appointment. You're here by divine appointment. I like to illustrate this with an apple. When you look at an apple, 
The outside of that apple may be beautiful. It may be, it may look great. There may not be a blemish one on the outside of that apple. But the core of that apple is as dark and as black and as evil as can be. And that's the way we are, church, spiritually without God. Our outside may be beautiful. We may be do we may do good things. We may do great things. Even things that God would approve of. But our core, our very nature, is dark. It's black. Because we're spiritually dead. Isaiah 64, 6. We've all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Some translations say filthy rags. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. The very nature of the one without Christ is that of spiritual deadness. The life of a spiritually dead uh, person is it's marred by going the wrong direction. It's marred by missing the mark of God's standard of holiness. Regardless of how good you are, you've missed the mark. You've missed the mark. The second condition. The first condition there is, is the individual is dead. The one who is hopeless and helplessly without uh, Christ. They're dead. Paul goes on and he says this uh, in point number two. Those without Christ are enslaved. And he gives us three things in this uh, verses two to the, the second part of verse three. That they're enslaved by. Number one, they're enslaved by the standard of the present world. Notice what Paul says there, starting in verse 2. He says, in which you once walked. He's talking about the trespasses and the sins in which you once walked. According to world of this world or following the course of this world. What Paul is saying there, the way you were living, you were living by the standard of the world and not living by the standard of God because, in fact, you could not live by the standard of God because you did not have God. Of course, there, it means the age uh, to which that is wicked. It's the wicked world around us. The ways of the world. The world there, it's, it's, it's the, uh, the Greek word cosmos. It speaks of the ungodly multitude, the wholeness of man alienated from God, those hostile towards God in this present world Paul's talking about. So they walked based on the standards of this present world and they continue to walk based on the standards of this present world. Thus they're enslaved by the standards set forth by this present world. The evil, the corrupt, the vile, the diseased, the destructive, the overwhelming, the difficulties of this present world. They're enslaved by this present world. They have differing views, those who are enslaved by this present world. 
even those who are enslaved, even those individuals, they have differing views about the importance of even the things of this world. But they can all agree on one thing. They agree that the standards of the world trump the standards of God. second thing they're enslaved by, Paul says, is they're enslaved by the realm of Satan. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following or according to the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Well, who are those spiritual forces? Who is the ruler of this uh, heavenly or the, the, this, this worldly place? It is none other than Satan himself. He rules our present world. Now, he only does what God allows him to do. God is still sovereign and God is still in control. But he only does, and he only does what me and tells him to do. But I will tell you this, he is much more powerful than me and you. And those who are hopeless and helpless without Christ, they're ruled by Satan. Satan is the one who controls their lives. Satan is the one who has the power over their lives. And again, church, by their very nature, they do not have a choice. You may say, well, preacher, I do good things. I know you do good things. Preacher, I go to church on Easter. I know you go to church on Easter. I may even go to church on Christmas. Well, good for you. Twice a year. That's great. Pastor, I maybe even give money to the church. I give money to those other organizations that help people. Those are all great things. But I'm not worried about what you do on the outside. I'm worried about what's on the inside. I'm worried about a life that hasn't been transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm worried about your core. I'm worried about that dark, evil core that you got on the inside of you by your very nature. You're spiritually dead. The one without Jesus Christ is ruled by the ruler of this present world. And he's Satan. They're enslaved by the standards of this present world, the ruler of this world. Number three. Paul says you're enslaved by disobedience. Disobedience. He goes on to say, in which you once walked following or according to the course of this world, according to uh, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Live there. When Paul uses that term, it's different than when he uses the term, therefore, walked in the first part of verse 2. Live there means to turn to and fro. It means to behave in accordance with certain principles. What principles? The principles of this world. 
the standard set forth by the world and not the standard set forth by the, by God. Again, you're spiritually dead. You can't discern the, 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 the spiritual things. You can't discern uh, the things of God by your very nature. It takes a conviction of the Spirit for you to discern those things. In disobedience, Paul talks about there. Those are those who have not trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. So if you're here this morning, if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Paul says you're a son of disobedience. Listen, you can get mad at me all you want, but listen, that's what the Word of God is telling me, and I'm telling you the very same thing. God says you're a son of disobedience. You're an enemy of God. You're at enmity with God. However you want to look at it and however you want to put it. These are good people. These are great people. These are all the people that give all their money away to charities. These are all the people that give money to the poor. These are all the people that stop on the side of the road and help the, uh, the old lady when, she, when her tire goes flat on the car. These are all these kind of people, church. They're all sons of disobedience. They behave like sons of disobedience. They behave because they're being controlled by those who belong to the family that is rebelling against God. And I want to remind you again, these are all could be good people. These are people who could do good things. These aren't just necessarily your murderers and your rapists and all those other people that we think that may be, oh, wow, that's a terrible sin. Even good people that die without Jesus Christ spend eternity in hell. Paul gives some characteristics to these sons of disobedience. First, he says, the passions of the flesh. Verse 3, he says, among whom we all once lived. Notice there, he said, we all once lived. Listen, if you're here this morning and you've accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, this was once you. This was once me. I was also a son of disobedience. I was also dead in my trespasses and sins. I also once walked according to the, the course of this world. I also once was, was controlled by the prince of the power of the air. And Paul says, listen, if you live as a son of disobedience, here's some of the things that you are characteristics of you. You, you, you live in the passions of the flesh. Passions there speaks of our lusts, speaks of our carnal appetites, any kind of illicit desire. First John chapter 2, verse 16, John writes this, For, for all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but is from the, the world. Now, flesh there, when, when Paul writes about flesh, and a lot of times this is a majority of, of Scripture, he's not talking about the flesh that you see on your hands when you look down at your hands. What Paul's talking about is he's talking about our sinful capacity. Our propensity to sin. He's talking about the desire to sin we possess in our sinful nature. Paul's talking about the very nature that you and I have as sons of disobedience. 
We talk about that battle of flesh and spirit. For those of us who have Jesus Christ, we have that battle. That battle of our sinful nature with our, 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 our spirit. But in this case, the one who was, is without Jesus Christ, the one who is hopeless and helpless, listen, there is no battle of flesh and spirit. Why? Because there is no spirit. There's no battle. Your flesh is not going to battle against your flesh. Your flesh is going to control you. Because there's no spirit. He goes on and he says, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. This is stronger language that Paul uses here. This is simply, this is beyond their passions. It speaks of fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And the desires of the mind, Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes this to the church there in Galatia. He says, he says uh, about this type of fulfillment of desire, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. He gives some of these works of the flesh that we carry out as sons of disobedience. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, if you are a child of God, these characteristics should not be characteristics of you. It should not be your nature. But if you're not a child of God, listen, this is your very nature. Are you sexually immoral? Maybe not. Are you impure? Maybe not. Do you deal in sorcery? Probably not. Are you a drunkard? Probably not. But according to Scripture, if you are without Christ, then your nature is this very nature. Speaks to that willful wanting and seeking of our sinful nature and that deliberately defy the will of God. I often, and I encourage you to do the same if you're a child of God, I often recall my personal salvation experience. I was a good kid. Well, I think I was. I was morally good. I was ethically good. I I did good things. I helped people. I did all those kind of things. I I treated people kindly. And I even went to church on occasion. I was involved in my youth group or the the youth group at at church prior to my salvation experience. So I was doing all the things uh, that, that good people would do, I suppose. So from a worldly point of view, I was an upstanding, I was a fine person. But what I did not realize at the time until I felt that conviction of the Holy Spirit, I did not realize that I was a slave to this world system. I did not realize that I was dead in my trespasses and sins. 
I did not realize that I was controlled by the power of this world. I was controlled by Satan himself. I did not realize those things. I did not realize that I was being manipulated by the devil. I ultimately did not realize that I was living my life in disobedience to an almighty God. And it wasn't until that special revelation came to me, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, when I turned my life over to Jesus Christ. But I was, I was, I was, a, I was a good kid. If I would have died, though, however, at that moment, I would have spent eternity separated from an almighty God. Because I wouldn't have stood before God and said, Lord, did you see what I did? Jesus talks about that in Scripture. God, did you see what I did? Did you see all the good things I did? Lord, I went to church. I was in the youth group at church. What he'll say is he'll depart from me, for I never knew you. Romans 6.16 Do you now know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, could lead to physical death, but Paul's talking about spiritual death here, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. A slave is a servant to his master. The master of those without Jesus Christ is the prince of this present world, Satan himself, and they are enslaved and controlled by their sin nature. A hopeless and helpless condition. One final thing this morning. They're dead in their trespasses. If you are without Jesus Christ, you're dead in your trespasses. You're a slave to this world. And finally, those without Jesus Christ are objects of of wrath. Read the last part of verse 3. Paul writes, And among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Romans 5.12, Paul writes this, Therefore, Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul speaking in this verse to the very nature of all mankind apart from Jesus Christ. Psalm 51.5, David says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. He was born in sin. He was born in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. David's talking about he was morally corrupt by nature. He was totally depraved by his very nature. He didn't have to deliberately turn from God because he had already deliberately turned from God just by being born. He already had a deliberate rejection of Almighty God. Whether a conscious objection or a unconscious objection. Paul writes in chapter 3 of Romans, verse 23. Y'all know this verse. Probably quote it with me. For all have what? Fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23. Because we have fallen short of the glory of God, what is our wages? Our wages is death. Well, I know I'm going to die, preacher. I know I'm going to die physically. 
Well, I know you're going to die too, and so am I. Paul's not talking about a physical death there. He's talking about his spiritual death. And our spiritual death means a separation from an almighty God, a separation from a holy God for an eternity in a place we call hell. The wrath that Paul's talking about there is God's divine judgment. It's the judgment of God. And those without Jesus Christ are objects of God's condemning judgment. Turn with me, if you would, to Revelation. If you don't believe me, let's go to the book of Revelation and I'll show you. Starting in verse 11, John writes about uh, chapter 20, verse 11. Revelation 20, verse 11, John is writing about uh, the great white throne judgment. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead uh, who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And listen to this verse. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's an eternal separation from an almighty God. I wonder this morning, is your name written in the book of life? I don't know, preacher. What's that mean? Well, it means if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then your name is written in the book of life. The great white throne judgment doesn't apply to us. Amen. That's right. Amen. It doesn't apply. Romans chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says, But because of your hard and uh, impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves. That's God's wrath, church. On the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. I have heard it over and over and over and over again. If God is such a loving God, if God cares so much about his people, then why would he condemn anyone to an eternity in hell? Well, I want to remind you that it's not God that condemns anyone to hell. It's people that send themselves to hell by not accepting Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Oh, preacher, it's in the Word of God. It's in the Word of God. They become the objects of judgment. God is a just God. We deserve the wrath of God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, He took the wrath of God for me and for you. Jesus didn't deserve that. 
But he took the wrath of God upon himself on that cross. So if you're here this morning and you've not accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior, listen, the Bible says, and it's clear, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You're enslaved by this world. You're enslaved uh, walking in the course of this world. You're enslaved by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working, the sons of disobedience. You are a son or a daughter of disobedience. You're living in the passions of your flesh. You're carrying out the desires of body and mind. You are by your very nature a child of wrath. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.